All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Flag Hunting Podcast. It is 2024, um, and uh, we have some exciting new directions for the show first. But first and foremost, I want to uh, issue a, a slight apology for the radio silence that took place on these airwaves uh, ba- basically the entire month of December and even online. Uh, me and Chris are pretty much nowhere to be found for the entire month of December. Um, I take pretty much full accountability for that as I was visiting family for the holidays. Uh, halfway across the world uh, for, for much of last month. So um, given the new cycle of golf wasn't the most uh, pleasant of times, um, I kind of decided just it was best for me to kind of just take my month off and uh, sit a couple arguments out, sit a couple of those those topics out. But 2024 is here, which means obviously a new season of golf, uh, new season of NASCAR coming up next month. So we have plenty of content loaded up for you guys. And which brings me into the kind of the new direction I want to take, particularly this golf show on flag hunting, because for the last two years, although I'm really grateful for the growth that we've had as an entity and, uh, you know, we've gotten obviously some great feedback. It's afforded me some great opportunities in this space. Um, I did feel like listening back to some of my old shows, uh, it, it felt a little bit redundant sometimes with, with some of the content that I had uh, in written form. And it honestly was just a little bit, uh, it was giving a little bit too much lecture hall uh, kind of vibes where I, I was kind of just uh, speaking about the golf course um, just for one straight hour. And then we'd have a little bit of outright discussion at the end there. So I kind of wanted to turn this show into something a little bit more casual, a little bit more free form um, and obviously bring a lot of the guests and some of my friends that I've made in this industry on week after week. And, and so not only can you learn from some of the stuff that I, uh, we'll spout out on a weekly basis, but you know, get a get a different taste um, from across the industry because there's so many damn bright minds in this space right now. So <clears throat> it's only right that uh, that we share the wealth here a little bit on flag hunting. So that's going to kind of be the general ethos of this show in 2024 and hopefully beyond. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna try I'm gonna try my best to have a different guest on every single week. We have we'll have obviously some recurring guys, uh, some fan favorites for y'all. But yeah, Tuesday nights are gonna be more of a Again, conversational, you know, no prep, just kind of off the wall, me with someone that's extremely intelligent, extremely bright in the industry. Uh, just kind of going back and forth, going, um, still going to talk about outrights mostly, but uh, yeah, just bouncing ideas off of each other. So um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this kind of maiden voyage. And Chris is actually not here tonight, so uh, I'm going to be flying this ship um, kind of solo. So a, a few first here to start 2024, but um chris will be on next week we just had a bit of a scheduling issue tonight um so yeah that's um that's my little soliloquy to start the show um and let's get into the actual golf content which you guys clicked on and our first guest of 2024 a guy that you guys are already very much familiar with it's very much by design uh to kind of usher in this new era we have one of the fan favorites of flag hunting our boy Byron Lindeek at the Model Maniac, one of my best friends in this space. Of course, contributor, main contributor at Rotoballer, also contributor for Bet Spurts, Tour Junkies, host of the Back Nine Bets podcast, and a new launch just last night, uh, the Rotoballer PGA show that he is going to host every single Monday night live uh, on both Twitter and YouTube uh, with our boy Spencer Aguiar, uh, two of the brightest minds in the industry, two of my favorite individual content creators. Um, so that'll be just a blast every single night or every single week to, uh, to listen to them go back and forth. Uh, talking about golf and um, you know some other fun topics. So, man, Byron, 
thanks for sitting through that little uh, little intro. I, I've been on a mic for four uh, for four or five weeks, so if I'm a little bit long winded, I'm also like two Red Bulls deep trying to cover from jet lag. So you might have to steer the ship after about half an hour, but I'm going to do Dude, my best. No problem. I'll apologize for the scheduling issue because living in the central time zone over here, um, it's on me because we plan for a five a five o'clock start central time and. We were definitely speaking Eastern time in the chat. So apologies on that one. But got the South African flag back here. Flag hunting pod, as always. I know people can't see it, but if you watch my show, you know it's there. And um, just happy to be on the show again. Glad to be the first one of, of the year. Looking forward to just, like you said, just hashing it up and just chatting golf, man. You know, I'm yeah. pretty rusty myself. You know, we had some some fun moments yesterday on a few shows that I was on. And just... It's, it takes a little minute to get back into the swing of things, man. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how you can navigate the traffic cones as you're weaving your way through them today, especially on a bit of a jet lag. So it's yeah, completely unscripted and uh, on a bit of a sporadic sleep schedule. But again, not here to complain, here to talk a little golf and uh, something that I've been looking forward to for, for quite some time. I spent more much more time than I'd like to admit in the Philippines looking through data golf. Uh, spreadsheets and, and getting ready for the Century Tournament of Champions, which, um, I mean, one of the best fields this tournament's ever had. We've got 21 of the top 25 in the OWGR present this week. Of course, Kapalua, a venue that I feel like we've been going to for 20-plus years. It's it's so, sort of a known entity, I feel like, for, for those of us that follow the PGA Tour year in, year out. Um, you know, of course, to kind of go with my point, I'm making this a bit more of a conversational show. I have, I have released my written work. Um, and plan to release my written work on the course a little bit earlier in the week. That way you guys have, um, for those of y'all that want to dive, deep dive into the minutiae of everything and, and you know look at stats, trends, et cetera, uh, that'll all be there along obviously with Byron's work, Spencer's work, Joe's work. So there's no shortage of content on Rotopoller. So that's why I kind of want to take a more casual approach. And your minutiae is monobolous. You know, it's just the way you can dive into a golf course's DNA is it's, it takes a special skill set to do that, and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm anywhere close to that. And it's it's something I really appreciate when I when I see someone out there that can really understand the the nitty gritties of a course. You know, like there's some statistical stuff I can cling on to here and there, but the way you break it down, man, it's it's really impressive. So love, love, love that stuff that you do there on the on the course breakdown side. I appreciate it, man. I mean, it honestly it helps the fact that I really only have one focus on a given week. I mean, I basically look at one odds board um for three days and, and make my selections whereas our boy byron over here is, is delving into showdown dfs he's diving into uh you know one and done he's diving into DraftKings rainmakers <laughs> so he's, he's that all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um yeah he's you've got no shortage of opinions we're going to limit you a little bit into the outright market here uh but before we kind of dive into the osborne obviously i i feel like most people know the deal with Kapalua, huge fairways, huge greens. You're not, not really going expect, to expect to, expect to scramble very much. Obviously, without the presence of wind, winning scores are going to be up in the 25 to 30 under range, uh, if not lower, see 2022. Um, so is there anything that maybe you think – is there a pendant that you have that you think goes against the general grain this week, um, or do you think the consensus kind of has it right in terms of skill set we're looking for? I'm going to go and answer the question in a little bit of a different way. I know you haven't listened to our, our show that we did on the Rotoballer thing, but Spencer and Joe decided that they thought around the green place seemed a little bit more relevant to success at this venue than, than most people would anticipate. But, you know, I'm a correlations guy. I'm a, a guy I paint by numbers, and, and the correlations aren't necessarily speaking to me there from around the green. So didn't have much time to tell them 
I think they're wrong, but um, I'm just kidding. But, you know, like compared to Twitter average, I don't think it's nearly as as important this week. But, you know, there's there's ways to – yeah, I'll, I'll toss that back to you. What do you think about that that idea? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of awkward considering – I mean, I posted on the site that I'll be weighing around the green play about as little as, I've, as yes. I have all year, really, or I will yeah. all year because yeah. you look at the – the GIR rates around here, it's, I mean, the best ball strikes on the field are going to be hitting 80, 85% of the greens. There's just not enough opportunities to really separate yourself. Even if you had an elite short game compared to, um, you know, some of the more premium ball strikers that might struggle in that area. So I will say that Kapalua does have some like notoriously tricky green sides around. It's not like an automatic up and down around here if you do miss the green. Um, So, you know, from that standpoint, I could see where it could be a bit of an advantage, but it's it's a tiebreaker of anything for me. For me, it's it's all about iron play. It's all about putting. And then if I had to pick a third thing, I would pick between driving distance and and history on Kapalua because we have seen some some kind of uh, yeah. repeat success here on leaderboard. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm 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 kind of with you. I'm kind of just going with the general flow. I don't think we have to reinvent the wheel here. We have enough of a sample mm-hmm. size. Um, but certainly, it, and we'll get into this one again in the odds board. We've seen a lot of different skill sets. Uh, you know, kind of contend here, right? We've had guys like John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley, like the elite, the elite ball strikers, huge off the tee, right? Modern player. We've also seen guys like Harris English, Cam Smith, Patrick Reed all have success here with, with very different uh, methods, maybe not being as prolific yeah. off the tee, but being able to hold a lot of putts and, and dial on some wedges. So um, it, it's kind of what makes this, I think the handicap so interesting because you can, you can make a lot of different arguments and, uh, you can you can paint the narrative kind of however you want, depending on the guy that you're touting. So it's going to be a really interesting, I think, just week of content to see kind of, especially in like the DFS circles where ownership means so much, uh, because sometimes the prevailing narrative might get too far in one direction. And all of a sudden, yeah. there's some opportunities for skill sets that. Yeah. Are just the question clean. the question I asked them about the around the green play was: Are you using that mainly for like DFS to like differentiate yourself, or using yeah. for like betting? And they said. We're going to roll with it for betting as well, you know. So each of their own. We'll see how it goes. Um, It'll be interesting to watch the guys around the greens. But um, I think a way to summarize, like, what you just said is how you can get it done in so many ways is just to, like, find easy scoring conditions. And and those, you know, like, you know, you can make your birdies here and there, but you got to make those birdies on easy scoring places. And and I think that's a really all-encompassing metric that I think can really start you in the right spot, you know. So I think I'll be leaning on that quite a lot this week. For sure. I've got that weighted as well. Uh, it's about a 10% weight in my model, just general easy scoring distance. Mm. Uh, places like John Deere, places like TBC Summerlin. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously here we, we see scores yeah. routinely in the mid-20s, even in, in the low 30s. So, uh, And then also par-5 scoring, I think, could be a nice little stand-in for short game considering these par-5s are quite long. You don't really expect these guys to be hitting the green under regulation very often on a 670-yard par-5 like we see on ATD, but it is – uh, severely downhill. So um, for me, par five scoring is the closest I've come to really overweighing any kind of short game metrics because I do think yes. solid short game players will tend to score better on par fives over a long-term sample. So yeah. um, we're not just completely 86ing it. It's not a zero, but certainly uh, a difference of opinions between you and me and, and, and Spence and Joe there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's just go and move into the odds board here. I feel like we're kind of on the same page in that respect, just just so you know, Byron, uh, we go through as a uh, as a patron of a non-betting state. We're generally referencing some offshores, uh, but feel free 
to reference any sports book that um, that you happen to use that you happen to see the best number on because we are all about shopping the best number here. Uh, outrights are hard enough to hit as it is. So when you do hit one, you want to pay it off as much as possible. So we'll start, of course, with the two men at the top of the world rankings, the top of the odds board, pretty much consensus one, two across the board. And curiously, I don't think I've seen either of them on a single betting card uh, in my limited interactions on Twitter and um, kind of on Monday, Tuesday here as odds have dropped. But Scotty Scheffler is the five and a half to one favorite of this golf tournament. Fresh off his win at the Hero World Challenge, of course, has come uh, runner-up here, or at least he was, he was very much in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was very much in the mix uh, down the stretch. Line. He ended up finishing seventh. Um, yeah. But he was, I think, in the final few groups. He was, I think, Colin's main chaser kind of over the course of the weekend until Rom popped up. Uh, he is five and a half to one. Victor Hovland is nine to one. So, of course, by world ranking, I don't think anyone's going to have any questions about these two guys. But, uh, yeah, I – I don't really have much interest either, to be quite honest with you. Scheffler's more of a numbers, anti-numbers play for me, and, and Victor's kind of struggled here routinely. So um, I don't expect this to be a very long discussion. I, I, I'd be quite frankly, I don't know who you're on this week, but I'd be pretty surprised if you single bulleted Scotty this week. It's not. I can't because I bet to return seven times. Right. Okay. Five and a half ain't going to do it for me. Um, so out on that immediately, I mean, that's a 14% implied probability of winning by, the, by those numbers, and that's at 6.25. If we change yeah. that to what five and a half, then we're sitting at a casual fifteen and a half percent. You know, like yeah. that's a little wild. You know, for a guy that just won, yes, I know we might be seeing the putting come back, but um, we'll just lean into him in DFS and just let, let yeah. the betting world burn if he takes us down again. And I mean, hopefully not, right? But it's gonna happen. Um, it's gonna happen at some point this year. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I, man, I was watching the Hero World Challenge. I was in a bit of a. I was on a ten-hour layover on Sunday when that tournament was going on. So I had plenty of chances to to watch Scotty take that one home it was yeah. pretty dramaless, which was unfortunate, but um, man, this is a guy that has just, he steadily improved the last three years now. I mean, this is a guy that it's crazy enough to say statistically that a guy that won the masters, he won Bay Hill, he won Phoenix, and he won the WG match play in 2022. And he had a better statistical season last year than he did in 2022 when he won the matches in three other tour events that are big time events. Like I think like six, seven wins are in the range of outcomes for Scotty Sheffield this year. Um, it's whether or not he can putt, dude, that's yeah. it. You know, like if he just turns the putter around, then we're in shit because yeah. um, he's, <laughs> he's, he's lethal then. Yeah. And he's I mean, green across the board. Hey, eh? so yeah. Um, we'll see what happens, but even without the putter, you can still win tournaments. We've seen that yeah. with players, right? So, um, yeah, I think I think that's kind of the reason as well why I'm a little bit less inclined. Like I, I'm willing to go to the well, single bullet, six to one, Scotty Scheffler. Like if we're at a place that I think he can really separate himself from the ball striking perspective, I just don't see enough difficulty on this golf course to be like Scotty's 320 yard just dead straight drive is going to separate him from right. a guy that's a little bit less uh you know prolific in that measure and of course as scores tend to rise winning scores tend to rise putting becomes even a bigger factor here right for the last five champions uh at the toc have gained at least uh five strokes in the greens and uh if you've led this field on the greens you finished first 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 and second each of the last four years so take that for a grain of salt um we can get maybe get into the grani a little bit later on kind of how that would affect uh, the slower surfaces here would affect bad putters, but um, 
but yeah, this is this is not a golf course where I'm looking to really lay the hammer on on a favorite, let alone a guy that has the putting voice Scotty does. Right. Um, but Hovland, I, I I would assume that your argument against Hovland is the lack of world course history here, because unlike Scheffler, he he does possess the putter. It's just strangely nothing really to speak of in terms of life around Kapalua. So thoughts yeah. on Hovland? I'm not really leaning into course history incredibly much. You know, I think guys that have played well, yeah, you can go with, but guys that haven't, so be it. Um, you know, it's not one of the most um, correlatory uh, courses on the on the tour. But also, just I'm not looking to throw an eight an eight to one card out there first tournament out. You know, like we don't really know what these guys are doing, and I feel like since the BMW and the Tour Championship, he really hasn't. I mean, I think what. The Ryder Cup was after that too. Since say yeah. since the Ryder Cup, after he was chipping in on greens, you know, like um, daggers to the USA, you know, squad. Oh, yeah. Wow, we both, a, had, we both yeah. had the US that week. So Ooh, what a disaster of a week that was. But anyway, I think since that, like the little bit of the air has come out the balloon. You know, he wasn't quite what he he was out in the Bahamas, where he's you know, looking to three peat. The guy just was he was lost for a while. You know, to start off the tournament. So, but also that's just a fun little fun little you know, hit and giggle type thing. But yep. I think at eight to one, I'm, I'm willing to take that recent little bit of a, you know, like coming back down to earth from where he was in a different stratosphere there for a while. Um, I, you know, I don't think he's the kind of guy like Scotty where he can really keep up that immense elite play. So yep. happy to pass him by in single digits here in this kind of field. I, I tend to agree. Um, yeah. Frankly, I would rather bet Scotty a six than I would Victor at nine. Correct. Um, so um, but the answer is is obviously neither for both of us through through two names, but still what's 60 plus to get to here. Um, and I think the next range is, is where most people are going to be starting their cards. Uh, we have a kind of a collection of five to six names here from or five names from 12 to 16 to one, uh, starting with Colin Morikawa, of course, um, who started my year off very, very poorly last year with a with a seven shot collapse on Sunday. Uh, he's 12 to one pretty much across the board. Ludwig Ober, uh, 14 to one, uh, coming off a historic win at the RSM Classic, sending tournament records there. Max Homa, 14 to one. And then you have Xander and, uh, I'm sorry, Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, both kind of in that 14 to 16 to one range. Um, are you kind of, I, again, I, I haven't, I've tried to stay off Twitter as much as possible this week, but I, I have, of course, seen some love for Colin, which makes a lot of sense. I've seen some love for Cantley and Xander. Both those make sense. Do you fall into one of those particular camps or are you maybe staying away for some longer yeah, shots? The love for Collins justified. You know, obviously it's in, incredible course history. Guys, you know, bowled out yeah. Um I pounced on a, on a Cantley, 17 to 1 when it came out there. There's a 16 to 1 at Caesars right now, 14, 12s across the board somewhere else. Um, that 17 feels good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we've small victories already, uh, but just... I figured looking for a guy, you took look at his like easy scoring metrics, you take a look at his birdie or better rates. You know, the guy's just elite in those departments, par five scoring. He's out there, you know, one of the best on the tour. So lots to like about Cantley. Also, a lot of close calls. I mean, geez, the way he ended his his season, he was playing really nice golf. And then the only freaking fairway he basically missed on Sunday at the FedEx St. Jude was the one that he hit in the water in the playoff to to have Lucas Glover beat him and, and you know, it cost me an outright in that department. So tough scenes, but, you know, hoping for a redemption season from there, Paddy Ice, and and hopefully you know, there's no water yet. So um, looking for him to get, get up to business and, and really, you know, start reaching his potential. I think he was playing some good golf and not quite getting it there. A very underrated 
driver of the golf ball distance wise. He's yeah. he's pretty lanky, you know. So I'm totally okay with him around this venue. Two, I think two fourth place finishes in the last four years, yeah. So some yeah. nice, some nice course history. Up seventeen seemed fair, you know. So I, that's yeah. where I went in that range, and I've kind of jumped completely further out until into the fifties or so, and I could have thirty as well somewhere. But um, okay. I've I kind of went a little light in that department. I'm really just kind of hoping to buck shots some guys that I have some good expectations of this year and trying to catch him at a, at a nice number early on in the season. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're on the same page there and our interest for guys down the board. Uh, so that'll be a nice discussion here and here in just a few minutes, but yeah, this is a really interesting range. I, I, I too was very close on Cantley. I full disclosure. I haven't completed my betting card yet, but I'm, I'm roughly halfway there um, based on my typical allocation for units. But yeah, I mean, Cantley, you talked about the two fourth place finishes here in the last four years. He's also never lost strokes putting at the century in five starts. So when you talk about maybe some of the things that held him back in 2023, it was strangely the putter uh, for a guy that has reliably leaned on that part of his game a lot. So maybe friendlier confines, place that he's very familiar with, very comfortable on uh, versus that a lot. You you covered that brilliantly. I, I think Cantley's a really solid bet, especially at 16, 17 to one. Um, have no problem with it. I went for his SoCal buddy. I bet Xander Shoffley at 16 to one. Um, that's my, my, my first official move of the week. Uh, I wrote him up in the, in the Rotoball article I posted on Sunday, uh, found a 16 to one. And look, we've, we've kind of become accustomed between Xander and Cantley to kind of grouping them in the same kind of bucket in terms of like, they're very similar styles of game, but it's funny in 2023, they've kind of diverged a little bit where you talked about Cantley's resurgence with a driver. And he's, I mean, legitimately one of the best drivers of the PJ tour. Um, it's, it, I think it's time to like start talking about Xander Shoffley as one of the best iron players in the world. Um, he, over the course of 2023 gained nearly a full shot per round, uh, to the field on approach, uh, over his last 20 tournaments, he gained 3.6 shots per tournament on approach. That's better than Colin Morcow. That's better than John Rahm. That's better than Roy McIlroy. In fact, it only trails Scotty Scheffler in terms of strokes gained per tournament, uh, with his iron play. So around a golf course where I really, really, um, need you to be a premier iron player, even though the greens are huge here. Just the fact that you have to routinely make seven or you know six, seven birdies a day to really keep pace with the leaders. Um, I feel like a guy that's going to be able to create a multitude of chances inside 10, 15 feet. Um, it, that's my number one kind of marker for, for success this week, which isn't a very controversial opinion. Um, but obviously Xander's iron play has taken a massive step forward. And, and kind of unlike a lot of the guys I've, I've mentioned, a lot of the elite iron players on tour, He's also an elite putter as well. Xander Schauffele is a guy that can routinely gain four, five, six shots on the greens. It makes him really, really good in easy score conditions. And uh, this this tournament has been no exception, right? He's finished first, second, fifth, and twelfth over his last four starts. Of course, had the bad back last uh, last year, which I know is a sore subject for Byron. So we'll, we'll steer away from that quite quickly. Um, but yeah, I, I I think Xander and Cantley are both very solid bets. Honestly, there's a non-zero chance I end up with both of them on the card. Uh, just because I, I do feel quite strongly about both those guys in this range, particularly if we're going to get like a four point discount over like guys like Colin, Homa, et cetera. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I've, I've, I've chosen Xander um, of the group as of right now. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we're getting some serious discount there in the 16s when everyone else, well, I'd say is similar caliber in the 12s. So definitely there. Want to chat about Ludwig Ober, bro? Like, what yeah. on earth is going on with these numbers? Like, on DraftKings, he's priced at $8,700, which is um, 2000 bucks cheaper than Scotty, right? And he's only just, you know, he's like fourth or so on the odds board right here. So there's tons yeah. of guys ahead of him in DraftKings, but 
on the odds boards, which I tend to think of as the sharper market. You know, obviously the the market yeah. corrects itself really nicely. Yeah, has him at fourteen and twelve, right? So yeah, um, give me your give me your take. I've I've spoken a lot about it. I'm curious to what you think about his his rise to um, sensationalism. Yeah. I mean, there's not much bad to say, is there? I mean, it, no. we haven't seen a lot of down from Ludwig. I mean, he had like the the two start stretch in the summer where it felt like he really let him let us down a little bit or let his backers down uh, at at places like the Rocket Mortgage and I believe it was the John Deere. We had a really good chance to win and kind of withered away on on Sunday. Um, but since then, I mean, you talk about from the Wyndham onto the RSM, he had eight straight starts of fifteenth or better, including two wins worldwide. A second place at the Sanford Farms playoff loss, top five of the Czech Masters, the most prolific driver of the golf ball, maybe already in the world. I mean, it's short sample size, but he does like he's lapping the field in total driving since he's been on tour, or lapping the the entire PGA Tour on, in total driving. He's gained strokes and approach in six straight. He finally proved to the RSM Classic that he can win a tournament at twenty nine under par, gaining an abundance of strokes for the putter. It's just very hard to find holes in the game and. You're right. The only reason that's kind of, I think the only thing that's keeping him away from betting cards is, is the fact that he's priced with guys like Morikawa and Homa, Xander, and Cantley now. So I do kind of want to throw it back to you because I've recently seen, I've talked about some of the offshores that I use. I'm seeing 20s pop up on Ludwig, which I'm strongly considering um, because all of a sudden you give me a four to six point discount compared to guys like Homa and Morikawa, who, look, I, I, I think are. Very strong bets here, but Obear, you don't have to worry about any kind of, you know, layoff or any kind of problem um, with. You know, he, he, I mean, the last star he played, he finished at twenty nine hundred par, set a tournament scoring record, the RSM. So, I, I think he's course proof. I don't. I think it was kind of a fool's errand uh, for, for for a long time in the fall swing. I was kind of like, let's wait till he gets to a big boy golf course. We can get him at thirty five, forty to one, uh, and bet him at like an Arnold Palmer as opposed to trying to projecting to, to gain eight strokes putting and win like an RSM classic. Obviously that did not work out. And now we have to sit here and bet him at 20 to one at the start of the year. But I, I think his win at RSM means a lot more than maybe the prestige of the event would indicate because he did it an event that I don't think is really tailor made for his optimal skill set. So um, I'm expecting big things in 2024 and 20 to one's really calling my name. I'm not, not going to lie to you. Um, 21 is delightful. I mean that the 14 just seems Wrong. 14, yeah, 14 doesn't seem right, yeah. especially considering that you mentioned he's being um, priced in the same range as these other guys that he hasn't necessarily played much with. Yeah, true. All of his results have come in the fall swing where all these other guys were watching him from the couch, right? Outside of Colin and, and Ricky and them at the, the random event here and there. But not hasn't really got the top tier boys out there. And I'm really, I've always, I don't know, I, I, generate these really quick assumptions and opinions of a golfer. And statistically, Ludwig also, he's won twice recently around the world, but also he has these rounds when he's in contention, he just kind of uh, gets stuck in neutral for mm -hmm. a certain round. You know, round one and two, if you take a look at his splits, are incredible. Yeah. And then if you just take a scroll over to round three and four, things start going a little haywire, especially round three, because he really gets himself in the mix, kind mm -hmm. of hits neutral, and then breaks the course record on Sunday trying to chase the pack down, right? Like, and we yep. saw a bit of it. I think jumping back to the Ryder Cup, you know, Luke Donald did such a great job of pairing him with Victor. 
which yeah. really helped him relax because I was so curious and eager to see how he handled his nerves. And he came out pretty sketchy, you know, like he sculled one or two early on, you know, yeah. wasn't quite in the mix. And then when they had to try and close out that match against Colin, you know, he was missing random putts here and there. Mm-hmm. So I do think he's got a bit of the jitters and I want to see how he handles because he obviously handled it totally fine at the RSM, totally yeah. fine at the BMW across the pond. I'm curious as how he, I feel good chatting to say people like you and Spencer and things that I'm comfortable with. But yeah. when I go on a, sh- on a bigger show or something, <laughs> my opinions aren't as strong. You know, yeah. I'm not going to throw something out there. So I feel like that's kind of how um, I'm, I'm expecting him to be, especially early on in these signature events with the big boys yeah. around him. I think it's going to take a minute. He was playing college golf six weeks, six months ago. Yeah. Eight months exactly. ago, right? So it's it's understandable. It, we It's not expected, but it could be a, a likely outcome going forward. So I'm really curious to see how, how he handles that pressure. Yeah, it, it that's that's a good angle I think with with Ludwig at, at these kind of events because it's it's like to your point it's so much different when you have to stare down a Scheffler when you have to stare down a Hovland when you have to stare down a Morikawa guys that have won and been in the mix in the biggest tournaments in the world. I mean he 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 was looking across from Mackenzie Hughes and Eric Cole on Sunday at the RSM like like he was driving at forty yards by like how much how intimidating yeah. can be, you know like. He wasn't even looking across at them because they weren't nearby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were behind him, you know. Like, exactly. yeah. and I had Eric Cole that I had Eric Cole on Sunday, and he he started one shot back of Ludwig, and I was out doing errands. I, I wanted to be back before coverage started because on the fall swing, obviously they play like six or seven holes yeah. before coverage starts. Yeah. I've never seen the player on Sunday go from like two to one to like a hundred to one so fast. Like <laughs> Eric, I, I, yeah, Eric Cole. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit later, I think. But yeah, uh, we will. yeah he's. We will. You want to talk about a guy that shrinks on the weekend? Um, yes. Yeah, I we've I think we've all had our, our share of this or the Eric Cole experience on a Saturday or Sunday, but um, but yeah, I'll, I'll be thinking about the twenty to one. But I I do like that take that maybe you have to eat the first one, right? Like let's 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 see him head to head against a top player in the world before we go all in balls to the wall 14 16 to 1 anything under 20 in a field like this uh because there are plenty of other options we as we kind of climb down the board here all right anything to say about max i feel like he's kind of the forgotten man this week like he's kind of 14 16 to 1 he just won the ned bank uh over the fall swing so he kind of got in the winner's circle he checks a lot of the prerequisite box when it comes to recent form he finished third here last year or even no he finished inside the top five here last year yeah. Um, finished T5. But again, like no one's really talking about Homa. Obviously, like the iron play, the putting, like that all checks out. But it it feels like everyone's a little bit lukewarm on him compared to a Morikawa, a Cantley, or, or a Xander. Yeah, I think with Max is he was really firing with the irons when he was playing good golf, uh, you know, like on that West Coast swing. Yeah. I mean, when he won the Farmers, he was he was doing it with, with some incredible iron play. You know, yeah. he was almost carrying his putter. But now, you know, entering the field the last 24 rounds, 22nd in the field on approach, you know. So I know the last few rounds aren't necessarily going to be as as a predictive as you'd expect, you know, with so many breaks in between. But everyone above him outside of who's this person yet, Wyndham Clark, is all sitting inside a really, you know, respectable approach number. Yep. And if you take a look at Max Homer's par five scoring, it is not what you'd expect. Like, if he can clean that up, he's going to be – a very, very good and very consistent golfer. You yeah. know, the par five scoring for Max has always been a slight concern for me. He's 31st in this field, man. You yeah. know, that's 
you're going to be getting 16 of those. And if you're not making what call it 12 birdies yeah, or, or playing those holes 12 under par throughout the course, you're going to, you're going to be going backwards against the guys at the top of the board. So, you know, and of course it's very par five dependent. I'm not typically inclined to lean into max, but yeah, I've, I've lost to Keegan Bradley outright twice now to max Homer. And then I've been on max Homer every other time he's not one. So like, it's just, this guy is the bane of my existence, right? So yeah. I, I've got my opinions, whether or not they're relevant, it's yet to be determined, but so far, not so good. I feel you. I feel you. I, I, I tend to agree. And especially with the California swing coming up, like yeah. I would rather just wait a month and bet max of California, maybe at a press number, maybe at the same number. Like I I'm, I'm ready to go to war with max at, at Riviera. I'm ready to go to war with max at farmers or, or Pebble yeah. beach. Assuming he's going to be there right on Hoana. Yeah. He's got those incredible splits on the West coast when it comes to the putter, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to his all around game, really. Um, so yeah, you're, we're kind of, again, being asked to pay a premium here at 14, 60 to one. Um, when again, so many elite names are already here. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable passing as well on, on home here. So, all right, moving into the next range here, past 20 to one, it, it jumps from 16 to 25 pretty quick here. Uh, but we do have another collection of maybe half a dozen names. Well, we don't have to cover everybody, obviously, um, individually, but uh, just pick maybe a few names that, that maybe you bet or that you have strong takes on. Uh, we started 25 to one pretty much across the board for Tom Kim. Uh, Jordan Spieth, the 2015 champion here, is also 25 to one. Uh, we moved to 30 to one for a couple of euros, uh, those being Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, all best available at 30 to one. Uh, Tony Finau, 30 to one. And then you get into Ricky Fowler, Sung JM range at kind of the 35, uh, closing on the 40 range there. So Tom Kim, Spieth, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Hatton, Finau, Fowler, and M. I mean, I don't even have strong opinions on all these guys. So do you have a favorite? Do you have a least favorite? Um, or are they all kind of right in the middle for you? I am going to lean into Tony Finau. I've, I've actually placed a bet on him at 33. Um, watching the Euro. It seemed, and even after we saw that video of him in the Power Ranger outfit, absolutely mashing it like, what, 190 ball speed or something? Yeah. Something ridiculous. I saw he was starting to drive it a bit further. And really, he's just, he's been driving it in like second gear all, like, you know, Last we all talk years. about how powerful he is. But yeah. he's not in third, fourth, and fifth gear hardly ever yeah. with the driver. And I think at the at the Euro, he kind of, saw a, a jump in his ball speed quite significantly. And then this week, I think there's, I mean, is there a better place to just absolutely <laughs> pump yeah. drivers out there, right? So we might be getting him actually a little further off the tee and then he's an, an exceptional wedge player. So kind of yeah. just with that driver domino affecting the rest of his game, this is a complete maniac player. You know, the model obviously is not a massive fan of him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way down here at 33 and, and such, but... I'm just kind of intrigued into someone, especially having to make a lot of longer putts. You know, I don't think the the short putts are typically um, his bread and butter, but like rolling them in from far, like at the 3M and stuff like that, where he yeah. can get going, you know, in every now and then. So put him in a vacation resort, kind of Mexico type situation. I think uh, we can expect some good things from Tony. He had a very respectable number out in the 30s, you know, so it's not yeah. like you're burning your whole card apart by by going to him. For sure. For sure. And, and I've also kind of taken notice of, of Finau's recent iron search. He's, he's gained strokes and approach in five straight, which is not something you could say kind of in the middle part of 2023 after he yeah. won at Mexico, he really had a bit of a lull 
uh, was not really putting together a consistent ball striking split. So to see him gain in both both those categories, driving an iron play, kind of to end his 2023, this is a venue that he's had a decent amount of success at um, through the years. And, and obviously you, you like Tony at easier venues, it feels like Mexico, yeah. the 3M, the Rocket Mortgage. This is kind of the new iteration of Finau. It's no longer T5 Tony at the majors. He's just kind of destroying these kind of lesser fields um, and, and these easier golf courses. So, yeah, um, his family is happiest at a resort. I think that's yeah. that's how it is. You know, the better yeah, the so facilities, the better Tony plays. The seven kids are at the beach. You know, no no worries on that end. You know, just a nice calm household. They're they're in bed by eight o'clock or whatever, and yes. uh, Finau can Finau can get proper preparation for for his weekend. I, I like that bet. Um, Finau, I'm I'm seeing. Even numbers on my offshores close to closing in on forty to one, um, which is pretty again pretty tempting because I'm I, like I said I'm pretty lukewarm on a lot of these guys, uh, particularly the Euros. Right, many of these guys haven't played this golf course either ever, or it's been quite a long time because you know, the Fitzpatrick's, the Fleetwoods, the Hattons of the world mm. tend to start their years um, in Abu Dhabi, where, where Rory's yeah. likely to start his year this year, right on the kind of the European tours, Middle Eastern swing. So. I don't like the fact that we're again. I I like the number in a vacuum, but I I don't really like the spot for them, seeing as they've never seen this golf course before. We don't really have a great gauge on their fit. Um, so yeah. So top, that being said, Tony would be I think near the top of this range for me. But I'm going to go with the second guy I wrote up an article, uh, Tom Kim, who's to this point my second and only click after Xander Shoffley. I got him at thirty-seven to one on bookmaker, but you can still find. Actually, he's, he's kind of, he's yeah. kind of down to 25, but he is, still, he is still 30 to one on bookmakers. So yeah, um, that is still available. I'm, I'm, I mentioned the article. I'm comfortable with any any price 25 or higher on Tom Kim, but you know it's it's crazy kind of how fast time has passed Tom Kim by. Right, like a year ago today, he was the hottest commodity in, in world golf. Right, he had all the Twitter, uh, all the Twitter clout. Right, he was he was we we're seeing every single shot of his on the Golf Channel on Thursday and Friday, and now it feels like the the Shine has kind of left him, right? We, we moved on to a, a newer, fancier toy in Ludwig, who is coincidentally two years older than Tom. But, I mean, he's – he's Tom Kim has, like, quietly been maybe the most consistent player in the world of golf. He's made 10 starts at the Genesis Scottish Open back in July. No finish worse than 25th. He has a win, and he has uh, three additional top fives – or four additional top tens, I'm sorry, in that span, including a runner-up at the Open Championship. And these aren't exactly, like, just jabroni events in the fall, right? He's, he's playing – Obviously, the Open, the entirety of the Fed's yeah. Cup playoffs is in that stretch. He played two Rolex Series events at, at Wentworth and the DP World Tour Finals, um, and obviously won the Shriners since his only start on the PGA Tour in the fall. So he is flying. He's doing a lot of it with his putting and his approach play, um, which has been absolutely stellar. He's only lost strokes in approach once um, in the last five months, and he's not lost strokes putting in any of his last ten starts. Um, it's not, it, and it, it's even not that he's just straddling the field average here. Like he's gaining. Eight, nine, seven, four and a half, six, five. You know, like he's consistently gaining chunks of strokes with his putter. Um, and on approach, right? Gains 1.79 strokes per round at the Shriners, 0.9 at the DQ World Tour finals, 1.43 strokes per round on approach at Wentworth, uh, 1.09 at the Scottish Open, uh, 1.49 per, per round at the Travelers, 2.02 at the at the US Open. So the iron play is like back to pretty damn close to peak Tom Kim. The putter is as hot as it's ever been in his career. We know the driver is super reliable. The short game is reliable. 
he's running out of real flaws to kind of pick out in his game. And he finished T5 mm-hmm. around debut last year on a golf course that hasn't really tended to be very kind to debutantes. So, um, yeah, any price over 25 to one, I'm, I'm very, very high on. I, I think Tom Kim is, um, is, has, has the potential to really make some money early in the year. Maybe, maybe nab one of these early three events, right? Between this, the Sony, the Amex. I think all three of those golf courses set up really well for his game. Uh, and with the way he's playing right now, he's going to be in the mix, I think, for at least one of them. Yeah, dude. And Pebble. I think he'll do phenomenally at Pebble. You know, like yeah. that seems like a course that really could suit him too. <laughs> um, I'm looking at my little, my, my outright model here where I just kind of emphasize 20% in each different metric and kind of see where their power rating goes. Yeah. He's, two of his three best ones are, and this is for a bit more of a longer baseline, you know, so I'm using like season-long metrics. Yep. Easy scoring and par five scoring are his two uh, second and third best one with the no putting helping him the most, you know, but that's long-term. As you've said, those are moving in the right direction. So when this, when the struggle areas of him are moving in that, in that area and the baseline stuff kind of really reflects some really essential parts of this course, like we've mentioned, Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And, you know, I've seen some Tom Kim seriously plus money matchups against Ludwig and it's kind of tempting, you know, just to take, Try yeah. and jump into that steam train and you know there's one steam train on the one side and the og thomas oh, the tank man. engine coming yeah. from the other so i don't know we'll see what happens but we'll see what the model says when i type it in but um it's just interesting to see that so i'm i'm a big proponent of tom this week for you for sure this is where i really wish golf was like the nfl where you could have like head-to-head matchups like it was like a tournament style where it was like legit just tom versus ludwig for four days because like just the storylines would be incredible if we just saw a duel between Tom and Ludwig because it's it, like I said, it's like the two hot commodities, 21, 23, obviously Ludwig's a bit more projectable for the bigger events, but you know, we all think Tom's going to be great uh, over the next 10, 15 yeah. years. Um, and then you, I'll just mention one last thing. You, you talked about Cantley's aptitude and easy scoring conditions. Uh, the, the courses he's tended to excel at over the last few years have been kind of that rocket mortgage Shriners, you know, sensory type of events. Um, Tom Kim over the last 50 rounds, number two in strokes yeah. gain scoring and easy scoring conditions. Uh, when you think about obviously the, the events he's won, the Shriners twice, the Wyndham, he's come fifth here, he's come sixth, the MX, seventh, the Rocket Mortgage. So, um, again, we, we obviously we were, we're excited about the progression for him at the majors, right? He came second in the Open last year, eighth in the U.S. Open. Um, but these kind of got these kind of tournaments have kind of more been his more his bread's been buttered. Yeah. Uh, so the first kind of year, year and a half of his career. All right, so um, yeah, I've got nothing really on. Like I said, we I think we kind of already covered the Euros, um, Fowler and Sungjae. I just feel like the most blah players in this field. To be honest with you, I really I wouldn't be surprised if they they feel like just like T twenty three. Yeah, you we'll grab your water bottle, smile at everybody, and have a good yeah, time, Ricky. You exactly. Know, like, Take your payday, your vacation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and I. Sungjae's history here is obviously great, and Fowler's history is actually even better than Sungjae. He yeah. he rates out really well in the course history metrics, but uh, not seen a ton of life from from either of those. So I'm I'm, I'm actually kind of hoping we can we can see some um, steps in the right direction for one of these two guys because I like I, two of the, these guys are both some of my favorite golfers on tour. Um, but there's just not a lot of in the numbers that are going to point you in the direction of Benning, even at 35, 40 to one. Okay, so in agreement, pretty much for the most part here, not really any contentious um, debates so far. But let's move into the kind of the 41 range, and we get into kind of the middle of the boards, last long shots, and especially in a field like this, Byron, I'm not 
I'm not typically interested in a lot of names like past 50 to one, but given the the nature of this golf course, the wide variety of skill sets we've seen have success here, I and and a lot of the players in this range that have play, been playing quite well as of recently, like I I like a lot of names kind of past 50 to one. So I anticipate having some discussions with you. Um even deeper down the board than I would typically expect when you have guys like Scheffler, Hoblin, Homer, Morkow, et cetera, here. So we'll start at 40 to 1, though. Cameron Young comes in at 40 to 1. Actually, you can find him as deep as 50 to 1. Uh, looks like on Bet Rivers, that's available for everybody. Um, Brian Harmon, the Open Champion, reigning Open Champion, comes in at 45 to 1, which is hilarious. Like he wins the Open, and I feel like his odds like haven't moved. Like his the opinion of Brian Harmon is the exact same. Same guy. <laughs> same exact guy. Outlier, um, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I guess when you gain what 15 strokes putting, that tends to happen to win an yeah. event. Um, but yeah, Brian Harmon is 45 to one. If you if you're interested in going that direction, Russell Henley also at 45 to one. Uh, Jason Day 50 to one. New sponsorship. Um, no no more skin tight Adidas shirts. He's he's like in complete leisure wear that uh, leisure wear there on the golf course, which is a, a crazy change up. <laughs> The Jason Day, the 2015 Jason Day is officially, I think, uh, dead with the sponsorship. I, yeah, I would yeah. say so. The moment you start looking more and more like Ian Poulter in your later <laughs> career, like things are, they're taking a turn for you, you know, yeah. in the wrong way. Shout out Spencer. I, I love Jason Day too. He's he's half Filipino. He's the only like Filipino golfer that's ever been relevant uh, yes. in the world. So huge shout out to Jason Day. We'll always have the win on Mother's Day uh, in 2023, mm. but. But yeah, uh, 50 to 1 for him, 50 to 1 for Sam Burns, who I've been a big proponent of historically at this golf course. Hideki Matsuyama, 55 to 1. Keegan Bradley, 55 to 1. Wyndham Clark, 55 to 1. We'll stop there again. You don't have to give your take on every single one of these guys, but is there anybody that stands out to you as, as a potential bet or potential fade? Um, Harmon Henley, Cam Young, Jason Day, Sam Burns, Matsuyama, Clark, and Bradley. I will tell you that I'm taking a maniac angle at Cameron Young. I think. Okay. I think he's, you know, at 50. I, I like the each way there as well at Bet Rivers. Yeah. I've been doing a lot more of that lately. Nuke City, longest driver in the field. So, yeah. you know, like if you're an elite long distance driver here, that definitely helps. New Caddy. To me, the guy's so immensely talented. Mm -hmm. Just hit the reset button. Yeah. You can all of a sudden see that baseline that we've seen, like, just restore itself. We saw it happen at the match play. New Caddy. Guy was leading the field. I mean, he was like 33 under par or some ridiculous luck. Had made some bizarre number of birdies, right? So he can fill it up when he's feeling it. And I think Paul Tesori just got in his head. You know, like I think they they looked for a more analytical, like mechanic approach type situation. Yeah. And I think they needed like the, to quote Kevin Van Valkenburg, the, the maestro, you know, like the artist, you know, no mechanic. We need some some artistry because he's got that, that baseline there to really excel in any situation, right? And he, at one point, was one of the better wedge players in the world, especially with how long of a driver of the ball he was. I mean, talk about two complementary skill sets. And then he just has turned into one of the worst par five players in the field as well. Like him and Max Homer, just it doesn't make sense what they're doing. Like every now and then you'll see, oh, just another double on a par five for, for Cameron Young. But he's in the yeah. top 10, I think, or so of or better rates, but his par five scoring average is ass because he just blunders the odd par five here and there and loses two or three shots to the field. So yeah. maybe without Paul yapping away in his ear with that incredible, you know, driving ability, some great wedge play. And, you know, we can see that putter light up at any given moment. Mm -hmm. um, 
I took a shot at him at 50. You know, I said, I saw him at 35. I was chatting in the Discord. And like, if something, if I caught a rogue 45 or 50, I was going to take it. And I got to be a man of my word. And I went to it. You know, I was like, you know what? 50 to 1 seems fair. If if he won this thing, would you be surprised with a new caddy? No. No, absolutely so, not. Absolutely not. And, and to your point, like we talked about kind of optimal skill sets here all episode long. And I think driving distance, I think his distance has the potential to just absolutely break this course. We saw Bryce DeChambeau, um, like, take this course apart. Yeah. Um, like, if, if you drive the ball as long as these guys do and you remain, like, on the planet, which Cameron Young, for how long he hits it, he hits it quite straight as well. Yeah. Like, it's just like a cheat code to gaining four to five shots off the tee. Like, I mean, I think the over-under on, like, his strokes getting off the tee numbers this year, this week is, like, 3.0. You know, like you expect him to gain a stroke per round around these because yeah. he can just reach back and pummel the and ball niche. on every single yeah. hole. So for entertainment value alone, I like the Cam Young bet just because I I enjoy yeah. watching him play the game of golf. I, I got to watch him at Quail Hollow with, with Hovland and Morikawa. That was one of the more fun threesomes I've ever seen in person. Wow. Um, and again, around a golf course like this where he can just absolutely go bananas. Uh, I mean, we saw it at the John Deere Classic, um, which has mm-hmm. historically had a bit of correlation with Kapalua between guys like Spieth and Steve Stricker, Zach Johnson, Bryson. et cetera, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bryson as well. Yep. Um, so we've seen it again on a, on a bit of a corollary course recently, uh, which is nice, a golf course that he feels like the, there's not much penalty for him just to kind mm. of wall away with drivers. So. Two other Carly courses I've also included were um, Augusta and Riv. So if you think about how he's played, um, Riv not so much with the wide fairways, but they're forgiving. You know, if you miss them on the right side, you're still fine. Yep. Whereas Augusta's got naturally wider fairways. So I think he's played exceptional golf in both those places. They are a little more difficult, not birdie as infused. But yeah. even when Joachim Neiman won that tournament, I think Cam Young could have won the damn thing if Joachim wasn't true. playing inspired golf. You know, like it was incredible. So yeah, I had more talent that week. And I was like, yeah, you just you, you just assume Neiman's gonna eventually do gag it away and yeah, he just no, uh, nothing. never did. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And and obviously we we know the John Deere Masters correlation too. So um, it, it's cool that that Trumbrant, um got found in, in another way there with your with your Masters um, Kapalua comp. So yeah, fifty five to one for a guy that talented is, is I don't think ever a bad shot. Yeah. Um, I, I envision I'll be using the exact same argument plenty of weeks uh, this year for Cameron Young. I'm yeah. I'm not ready to to completely give on that on that guy by any means just yet. So, but each um, round that goes into and he plays worse and worse, you know, with the new cat. I'm like banking on it, recharging him. Yeah. The more I see. The, then the quicker I'm going to be out. Of it. You know, I'm taking a gamble. Yeah, it's okay. a bit of a reach, but um, it's like the Antonio you know. Pierce Raiders, right? You just you just thank <laughs> yeah. players, coach, right? Pumping them up. They're playing. Yes. They're playing music in the locker room. Yeah, I get you. I get yes. you. Yeah. Cam Young, ready to go. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Honestly, it, it, if I don't go to like Ludwig at the top, I think my card will be filled up by a lot of these guys, kind of in this 50 to 80 range. Cam Young certainly in the discussion. I think Matsuyama is also in that discussion. Like Hideki's a guy that, man, he just continues to pop up on a lot of my key iron metrics, right? Birdie chances are great. He's second in this field over his last 50 rounds. He's second in this field as well in weighted proximity that I have inside 125, 150 to 175, and 200 plus being the three key ones. Matsuyama ranks right up there with Scotty Scheffler, Colin Moore, Cal, and Tom Hoagie when it comes down to weighted proximity. Um, he's finished inside the top five here on three separate occasions. Now it's dating back into kind of the 2016 era of Hideki, which obviously was a bit um, of a better, of a, yeah, it was a, or just a better all around commodity. Yeah. Um, but Hideki, I don't think is, is, is far from 
kind of his peak, right? I mean, we've seen him be consistently like one of the better and more consistent ball strikers in the entire world. Um, you know, you just, you kind of have to hope that the the time off has done his back well enough and his neck well enough to where he can drive the ball at the level he's capable of. That's been the main thing that's, I think, kept him from reaching that ceiling more often is the fact that he's kind of hemorrhaging strokes off the tee because he just doesn't have the same kind of distance. So um, that is certainly a question mark, but in terms of the iron play and the course history around this, this golf course, um, I think Hideki at like 55, 60 to one is, is a really intriguing name uh, that, that I was surprised to see um, at this point in the odds board. So Hideki would be kind of, I think my guy, Sam Burns, man, I, I, I tout him here every single year. And he never, he just like never delivers. Um, historically, like a really good wedge player, although much like Cam Young, that has certainly dipped in 2023. It felt like the iron play as a whole kind of regressed. Um, but I don't know. Burns can always kind of pop up with 10 strokes gained putting, especially on Bermuda, and he'll be I'm right Bermuda. there. So yeah. 50 to 1. I might wait for maybe a live number there uh, just to kind of get a, a general feel because I don't have a great feel for, on where Burns' game's at. Um, and then Harmon, Henley, Keegan. I don't really have a ton of interest there. Maybe, maybe Henley finished 13th kind of really quietly at RSM kind of backdoor that after a really tough start. So being the most accurate driver in the field here doesn't mean nothing. like, you might as well be me, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) whatever, you know, Uh, congrats. You're going to hit every fairway, but what's that really going to do for you? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But the good news with Henley is he's like, he's an exceptional enough iron player that, uh, you know, he and he's a good Bermuda putter as well. So it's it's not a perfect fit. Like obviously, you'd rather have him at a Sony or an RSM, etc. Um, you know, Harbor Town. But yeah, I, I can see the argument there. I, I'm I'm not saying I'm going to bet him, but he he was definitely at least in my mind at, at some point uh, during the week. So, but yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I think I'd rather take the the bigger upside swing with with a Cameron Young or, or Hideki than go here. But Curiously, I actually, I actually like this next range. Maybe even a little bit better than the 40, 50 I've to one. Got two more names for you in this next. Oh range. yeah, oh yeah. I'm gonna list two names here that maybe even three or four that I have. I I haven't bet yet, but I have very very strong interest in. We'll start with one guy that I, the final guy, I wrote up in my Sunday article, and a guy that I think is gonna be quite popular. Um, maybe not in the outright market, but definitely in DFS and some of the placements. Eric Cole, sixty six to one. Um, who. Yeah, I mean, just continues to be one of the most consistent players in the world, um, particularly with the iron play and the putting. We go to a golf course now that would, you know, you would think would mask his number one uh, deficiency off the tee. So Cole sixty-six to one makes a ton of sense. You also have uh, Seb Straka at sixty to one, uh, Corey Connors seventy, Danny McCarthy seventy, Justin Rose sixty-six, Tigala, Cam Davis. Um, I like a lot of these names, man. It's kind of dangerous because. Like, I don't want to bet a ton of them and then just, like, watch Scotty Scheffler shoot 63 on Thursday and, like, <laughs> just put him out absolutely out of the out of the tournament. But a lot of these guys, you can make some really strong arguments. These uh, are really nice guys to bet each way on. You know, okay. like, the, yeah, the yeah. number's long enough that yeah. you can – you're not having to lay that much juice on a, on a 16 to 1 to, like, really expose yourself. You can still kind of get yourself at the top five at 16 to 1 kind of situation, which is sure. – you know, it's true. Yeah. Top first 10 people on the odds board kind of thing. Right. So um, considering let's go to Eric Cole. Like I've I'm on him this week, especially with that top five at 60, 61. Like, I feel like that's, that's a really nice number to go to. Um, he's had four top fives in his last five starts. And this guy is 
chomping at the bit to get his ass back on a golf course because he's probably had his longest layoff in professional golf in the last year and a bit, right? Yeah. Like he's just been playing 29 tournaments last year. And that doesn't even include the other stuff he was doing, you know, when they weren't. But mm -hmm. birdie or better rates, you know, like he's been lighting it up. He's like Ludberg's baby brother just hanging out in his shadow kind of thing, you know, in this fall yeah. swing. So we'll see what he can get up to immense talents on the greens, immense talents with the irons and the driver is not going to be an issue for him this week, hopefully. Right. So, you know, it's just a perfect storm. He's probably going to still hit drivers in the bushes every now and then, but he makes enough birdies to take care of it after that. So I'm yeah. a big fan of him. Um, and then Thigala, dude, yeah. same situation. They're basically the same person. I was going to say think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And they've, and Thigala is just one. We've got a guy that's 70 to one. He just won a tournament. Yeah. Like, I know it's the fall swing, but so did Ludwig, and and he's fourteen. You know, like I get it, but we, wh why is there fifty six points between the two of them? You know, that's yeah. just incredible, um, especially for someone that can probably out, you know, just putt his way to victory like he does, right? So, yeah, I, yeah, we're on the, again, we're on the same page because I think when I'm talking, when I think about like again the optimal skill set that I'm looking for, if I could like build a player for Kapalua, obviously like. Roy McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler—they're gonna—they're gonna work anywhere. Victor Hovland, yeah. like he's gonna work anywhere. But like for these lower tier guys, I want guys that can spike with a putter. I want guys that can spike with the irons. I really don't yeah. give a damn if like Cameron Smith led this field off the tee in 2022. Like, and we all know we've all been in the Cameron Smith experience enough to know like that dude can spray it anywhere off the tee. If he can gain four shots off the tee, Eric Cole can gain four shots off the tee. CT Gala can gain four shots off the tee. Yes. You know, Justin Rose can gain four shots off the tee. JT Post, like all these guys that. You know, we get to a golf course like, uh, you know, the Shriners, and you're just like, you're white knuckling every time you see him hit a driver because, like, you're just afraid of the absolute worst. They're going to re tee on, like, the easiest hole in the golf course. But yeah, I mean, these guys all have the capability. Like, they're tailor made for this golf course. Like, mm -hmm. winning is maybe a different discussion, but I love your take with the each ways. Like, one of these guys is going to be there, um, if not more. Like, I, I love Cole for this golf course. I love Tigala. Um, I like, I mean, we haven't got to him yet, but post, and I think they all have yeah. some really, really great skill sets for this particular venue, um, which all will mask their biggest deficiency. And all of them are capable of gaining, like, an they can all like lead this field in, in putting. And, putting, yeah. And, you know, Cole can finish top five on approach, right? Tigala can finish top five on approach. Yeah. So can post, and Poston's having a great iron uh, resurgence. So I like, the, I like the fact that they're all coming in in solid form. You talked about Cole and, and Tigala's fall swing another thing i like about tigala is like he's not just like a weak field bandit right you talk about a lot of these kind of up and coming guys ludwig you talked about we haven't really we haven't he hasn't really answered the bell yet on in some of these big fields and look tigala has only won the fortinet but you look at some of his other top results right second place at an elevated event in the travelers where he was so close to taking down guys like xander shoffley and patrick cantley on that sunday phoenix open where he got screwed on 17 finishes third there in 2022 Another elevated event, the Heritage, this past year. Finishes fifth at the RBC Heritage, another coastal track. Strong field. Um, Bermuda Augusta, Augusta National, ninth place. The Memorial, fifth place. Like, he he shows up in these big field events. And, man, I, I don't know why he's 80-1. to 1. Like, it, it just – or 75-80-1. to 1. It makes absolutely no sense to me. So, this is kind of why I've held off this long to complete my card because I'm, I'm so enamored with these guys. I was kind of hoping you'd be on the same page here. 
Um, and it, it feels like we we kind of again are kind of reading each other's mail with these with these guys a little bit further yeah. down the There's and a lot you, more upside than these prices indicate. So here again, if if you want to go back to the the rev comp as well with the driving thing, yeah, finished fifth, right? So like mm. he's he played really good golf at these courses that I like them to play good golf at, and yeah. the guy's a baller. Now he's got that winning monkey off his back. I think yes, you know it, it's weird because you got to remember like who do you you got to guess. He won that tournament and then kind of fizzled away a little bit. But I think he was like, cool, you know, I won this tournament. Yeah. I'm just going to play out the rest of the year. Now he's had, you know, he's also a ranger rat, right? He wants to just be out there just grinding away. So I can totally expect him to have been working on his game. And it's fun to see that we're going to see some massive statistical leaps from guys, you know, like in those first few, few, few weeks to really take advantage of what they've worked on. So. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what he can do. And I want to bring up Luke List as well. Yeah, Dude, I was course. looking at his anything with a number two on Data Golf. Yeah, 40 net championship number two, or all, all the four swing events, all the number twos, 25th win, 18th, 20th, 19th. Yeah. You know, like that's pretty consistent and solid. He's all the way down here in the in the freaking hundreds almost. And oh, um yeah, 110s and stuff. You know, you can get anything you want on Luke List. And length of the tee and the putter seems it's no longer a liability and at any point it could pop up as you know on these slower bigger greens maybe he puts a bit better too at 110 to 1 i'm not in on him but you know i i'm looking at him for maybe a top 10 or a top 20 bet i mean a top 20 bet for lucas is going to be really really nice but i know yeah. we had to talk about outdrives but no, it's it's all good it's all good because I, I think at this point in the board you have to be able to differentiate it's all well and good to say I like this guy. I like this guy, but you can't just bet them all outright um, yeah. and expect to turn profit over a long term. You've got to really be able to be selective because I think a lot of my, especially I'll just talk from personal experience. My kind of main leaks early in my betting career was I just, I was like, Oh, it's like, it's like 10 bucks. Let's just throw it on this guy at 151. Oh, let's throw it on this guy. So yeah. you got to be able to be selective. You got to be able to, to pinpoint which guy you really think has the upside to win. And then which guy is more of a prop play. Um, but Luke List, to your point, finished T11 here, and he lost two strokes putting uh, last year when he when he did it. So yeah. he's playing it obviously much. He's coming in a much better form this year, and uh, and yeah, you're going to get some some pretty juicy plays from markets. That's that's for sure. I think we glossed over one guy that I'm also like very interested in. Uh, how about a little Seb Straka, a guy close to your heart at, at 70, 80 to one, a guy that finished uh, runner up the last time we we had all these big boys together. He finished runner up to Scheffler. Uh, at the Hero World Challenge, um, gained in each of the three T to green categories, gained one point or sorry, three point six off the tee, three point three on approach, over two shots around the greens. Um, of course, had that scintillating sixty four on Sunday to kind of secure his place and and the runner up there. And you look at a guy that, again, if you talk about course history, he finished T twenty one here last year, but he was actually second in this field on approach. The only reason reason he finished T twenty four or T21 was because he lost a career worst 5.9 shots off the tee, which I don't know how it's very accurate as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Essentially he lost six shots off the tee. It's, it's unbelievable. He actually gained strokes putting. Like I said, he was second in the field on on approach. And I think we're, I think, I mean, if he's going to be 80 to one in this field, like, Books are really undervaluing how good his 2023 was. Obviously, we know about the John Deere Classic. He won the second, uh, won an event in the second straight PJ Tour year. But he's starting to show himself in some big time events. He 
finished second in the Open Championship, seventh at the PGA, 16th Memorial. He made it to Eastlake, finished top 15 there. And then over the course of the fall swing, he goes over to Europe, um, which he typically doesn't do, um, but goes into a Rolex Series event at the at Wentworth, the DB, the PMW PGA Championship, and just T10 there against, again, some of the best players on the planet. The entire European Ryder Cup team was there. Tom Kim was there, Minwoo Lee, et cetera. Um, and then finishes second at the Hero World Challenge, again, with a lot of these big-time names that we're going to be seeing this week. So I think books are really underrating his upside. I'm going to probably be in an 80-to-1, quite frankly. So uh, for me, it's going to be Cole, Tigala, and Strzok. I'll be having some pretty uh, pretty solid exposure, too, I think. I'm getting some FOMO on the Straker situation there as well because, I mean, yeah. dude – He's playing some good golf. So just and he can get white hot. Like he can. you saw him at the you were on him at the John Deere Classic when he yeah. shot when he shot fifty nine. He put in the water on eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> that was just, that was a fun time. But yeah, yeah, if you would have lost that one, then you would have had to see some kind of shot. That would have been a problem. But yeah, yeah. no, I'm with you, dude. Like, there's so much to like about him, and especially with the putter. And I mean that my tie mystery on the off the tee there last year doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, so. I mean, take advantage of that that lack of course history, so to speak, and actually, it's actually pretty impressive. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. where would he have finished if he just Dude, was he, neutral? Like, he almost he almost beat the field average. He was only he only lost uh, three tenths of a stroke in strokes gained total to the field over four days, and he lost six shots off the tee. That's incredible. I mean, so that's incredible. You're talking about a guy that would have finished. Yeah, he was t twenty one, so that's sixteen under. So we're talking like twenty two, maybe. So he would have finished inside the top five if he would have just been neutral off the tee. Uh, last year, and he's yeah. playing much better golf coming in. So mm-hmm. you talk yeah. about each ways. If you want to do an each way, I think Strzok has got or a little top ten or something. Yeah. Sure, um, get a top five or top ten here. Yeah. So, all right. Um, you talk about Luke List, which was absolutely one of my guys. Um, I'm right there with you on Luke List. Again, winning is tough, but um, I could definitely see him spiking and finishing again another top 10, 15 finish here. Um, let's just bring up some names. If if you have names, obviously that that. You like them down the board or guys that you just want to generally talk about? We don't have that much time sure. left. Sure. Let's chat um, some Benny on. Benny on. That's not a name I expected. Fresh off the steroid suspension. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> haven't seen Benny on in like five months. Um, but do you have a pulse on on what his game is, is, is looking like in 2024? I mean, just if you just think about Birdie making Beast. Yeah. And and then he does his, he does his damage with immense distance off the tee as yeah. well right like especially straight off the roids so like i mean the guy's gonna be <laughs> why, yeah him. why not just go all out now like they already yeah. just, i mean just go up in pure bryson mode yeah i'm not gonna be betting him or anything i'll be definitely playing him in dfs i love his like volatility you know like yeah. i also drafted him in a fantasy draft okay. um so in the sixth or seventh round so like way down there yeah but you know he's got that upside i wouldn't be surprised if he shows up in random courses just finishing I don't like the fact that the lack of around the green play is not going to like really play into his hands as much this week. But, yeah. you know, these big greens are still going to require a touch from far away, whether it's got your putter in your hand or not, right? So, yeah. Um, just... I like that. I didn't think about EBU. Or I didn't think about Benny on. So <laughs> what we want to talk about next, Ian. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, that, that's where my yeah, – I'm not the best producer, apparently. This is where – this is why Chris needs to talk in between uh, the two of us because – uh yeah you can tell who i had on, on my mind here we talked a lot about comps right we talked a lot about some courses that we're using as as corollaries for kapalua i mean is there a better comp on tour recently we've seen than el cardinal right wide fairways resorts easy score conditions ton of wedges eric van royen 225 to one 
He, I mean, he obviously won that event shooting 63. I mean, it wasn't obviously the strongest field, but Ludwig was there. Cam Young was there. Tigala was there. Some, mm-hmm. other, some of the guys that we really liked this week. And, and EVR, it's, I mean, he, it's not just an isolated event. There's a reason why that was a bit of a community win. Like he had been showing some progressive form yeah. throughout the fall swing. And now we get the golf course again, like Kapalua, it's going to take away his biggest historic deficiency or both of them really. He he's, tends to not be very good around the greens. He tends to not be very good in terms of driving accuracy. And that was exactly why we played him at. Exactly. At- exactly. So it's the same exact argument just a few months later, and we're getting yeah. a better number, albeit in a worse field or in a, in a much better field. So, um, so yeah, out of sentimentality's sake, I'm going to have some EVR in, in some capacity there. Yeah. And then the last two names I wanted to bring up would be Akshay and Tom Hoagie. I don't know how I'm going to bet them, but I do feel like this is a pretty solid spot for two guys at 200 plus to one that are proven to be elite ball strikers when they're on. Um, both tend to, to, to fare better in, in easier score conditions as well, where they don't really have to rely a lot on their short game and, and scrambling. So, um, so yeah, again, we're we're in, we're over an hour in. I kind of expected this to be like a 45, 50 minute podcast. Oh, Should have known really? better. Did you really? <laughs> but you and I, we can never keep it short. Yeah, that's just I think that's a me problem. That's that's a through line in every podcast I've ever recorded. So um so yeah, that's that's my final uh my final few names. But uh yeah, I'll give you the floor, man, um to talk about anything else you want and of course plug all the stuff that, that you're into because uh, honestly yeah, I think it's it's you and I on the show. I think we talk about rotoballer, man. I think our little a little team over there is just really blossoming into a, it's I don't want to like say industry leader, but I'm definitely going to say like an industry competitor, you know, like we're really starting to put our things together and, and, you know, like being part of Rotoballer is just, I think it's a good, it's a good time to get in, you know, like I think our pricing is competitive for everything that we do premium wise. Um, You know, like all my showdown stuff is it's half free, half premium, you know, use code maniac, use code T off, use code nicely all that stuff for everybody, um, wherever your favorite producers, once you get some premium stuff out there for us, Ian, we'll get you a code, you know, and like it's, it's providing so much room for people to grow in this industry too, you know, especially with, you've seen a lot of places collapsing and closing and, you know, like rotoballers out here keeping, keeping the lights on. Right. And it's just been fun to, to be part of this team and, and have you on with us and you're going into your second year now or so um or at least second season um when did you join uh the first article i ever wrote was bay hill 2023 yeah, so we're, yeah so we're yeah 10 months mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so we're close so um just you know looking forward to blossoming more as a team together you know we really got joe Adoni on the squad now starting Huge. an actual rotoballer podcast you know we've yeah. got all these random pods but none of them are rotoballer branded right you know yeah. they're presented by so now we've actually got a rotoballer show which We'll be having you on there shortly, you know, like as we're going to keep rotating all our rotoballer guys in and out and really starting to hype ourselves up even more. And we, we deserve it. We work so freaking hard. You know, our team is a team of grinders and, and really th- authentic thoughts that often present themselves on the pages there. So um just want to say I appreciate your stuff you do, dude. And um loving your I love the fact that we split that article up into two. I think your your preview is a phenomenal piece of work. And I, I take the way you dissect and diagnose a course as um, as like sincerely as there are course previews out there. So just putting that out there, my man. Hey, I appreciate that. And much love, of course, 2024, I think it's going to be such a phenomenal year. Just 
I know the sport of golf is really divisive right now, but I'm so excited just for the upcoming content. Some of the venues that we're going to be going to with the majors, we're going to crown another Olympic champion, right? And there's just there's so much to be thankful for, and and you know having Joe, one of the biggest offseason gets I think in the industry, having him on the road to our staff is crazy. I've been a fan of his for so long. We just uh, me and him mm-hmm. have been Twitter DMs kind of all afternoon. So um, of course, man, with with you, with Spencer, with Joe. With now both the Joes, Matt Miller. I mean, yeah. um, you know, it's it, the starting five is 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 pretty damn strong over there. And we've now. got a pretty darn good bench, dude. You yeah, know, exactly. like you know what I'm saying. So yeah, so yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's a blast. Looking forward, obviously, to having you on. This will not be the last time you're on flag hunting, and hopefully, mm-hmm. I can join you on back nine bets uh, for sure. I know you uh, the it, the golf uh, talk never really stops on the Bono Maniacs channel. So no. Um, if, uh, if me and Chris ever disappear for another month, you know, you guys know where to go. Brian will have you guys covered. He is, he eats, breeds and sleeps this stuff and we appreciate him for it. So, all right, guys, hope you guys enjoyed, uh, the dulcet tones, the first episode of 2024, much more to come. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Best of luck for you guys all at century. Peace out.